What does Bobby say? It's the best day, every day. <laughs> I didn't think we would be referencing Barbie today, but here we are. Dude, we should always be referencing <laughs> Welcome to Nourish by Spinneys, the podcast which promises to inspire you to eat well and live well. I'm Devina Devecha. And I'm Tiffany Eslick. This is a space where we hope to nourish your heart and soul. On this show, we chat with leading players in the food community, from farmers to foodies, as well as health and well-being experts. It's all about engaging conversations, fresh ideas, and Barbie? Um, not quite, um, but we are going to be talking to someone who loves what they do and what they do is making chocolate. So we're popping over to Alcos to Mirzam Chocolate where I sat down with their chief chocolate officer, which is obviously my new dream title, uh, Kathy Johnston. And like me, Kathy also grew up in the UAE and got together with the Emirati owners of Mirzam to kickstart their journey into well-sourced, beautifully crafted and locally made chocolate nearly eight years ago. And so for anyone out there who doesn't know, Mirzam is the OG chocolate maker in the UAE. And from what I know, they started out with the idea of making chocolate locally and exporting it, but soon discovered there was a market for speciality chocolate locally too, much like the well-established speciality coffee market we already have. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Mirzam has also done so many collaborations with local artists, uh, as well as the regions where they source their beans from. They have worked with the Louvre Abu Dhabi, uh, who actually selected artwork that made it to their rapper. I think that their rappers are some of the most beautiful rappers I've ever seen. I think they tell so many stories of the region, of the history and the trade routes. Um, we have it up on our Instagram, as you can see for yourself. Yeah, at one point, I actually had to almost apologize because I was geeking out so much over the packaging. Um, so when I was there, Kathy took me around their space in El Kuz, where they moved to three years ago. They make all their chocolate in-house right at the factory, so you'll hear the machines humming in the background as we talked. And right outside, they have a cafe space where you can sit down, grab some coffee or hot chocolate, which was amazing, by the way. And of course, browse all of the single-origin chocolate. So these are all made with cocoa beans that are grown along the historical spice route. So they're countries that have a trading history or connection with the Arab traders. Yep. And so the, the Arab traders sort of cover the Gulf. A lot of Oman mm. um, or Omani dows have been found yep. all over the world. Yep. Um, but the, the coastal Khaliji Arabs from here, but in, in also sort of northeast Africa there. So there was a, a, long, a line of trade that went from here down the coast of Africa, mm -hmm. Tanzania, Zanzibar, Madagascar, and then over to the east, Sri Lanka, India, all the way through to the sort of southern tip of Japan. And it wasn't for cocoa, it was for spices, tobacco, mm. sugar, different things. There is a weird trading history between Europe and Cuba, so we played on that. Oh yeah, I did notice that one. Yeah, but one of the reasons we have the Cuba is more to kind of, as a point of difference, because yeah. there is not much cocoa grown in the East. It's not the traditional cocoa growing countries, right. or better, more like technical way to put it would be that the genetics of cocoa that people are generally used to eating is largely what is now grown in West Africa. Okay. And they are the, the biggest cocoa producing countries in the world. And they've developed the genetics for their, their cocoa beans that have a really lovely chocolate flavor. And in fact, the flavor note is chocolate. It's, we call it flat. Like it doesn't have any, okay. any interesting profile or history. 
And you find some similar, some similar chocolate, high chocolatiness in beans being grown in the Americas. Okay. And we don't get that so much in the East. Mm. But Cuba has a, a nice trading history. So do some other places. Ecuador also has a bit of a trading history and spice history, but not so much with the, the Arab community, the Arab historically. Um, so we wanted to have that here to show what a high chocolate Mm. flavor note cocoa tastes like and when you eat it it's like oh it's chocolate tastes like chocolate that's delicious it's one mm. of our top selling bars and it's an 85 percent dark chocolate the beans are huge and full of cocoa butter and they're really easy that whereas these countries largely it's a very small holder producers they're not producing a high volume nowhere near the volumes that you kind of see in uh, africa or the americas i'm going to ask what is Hopefully not a stupid question, but it might be. No such thing. <laughs> okay. Um, so you know how when you're getting the chocolate and you know you say it's 65%, 72% or so on, what determines that percentage? Or is it something that you control or is it based on the type of cocoa bean you're using? How does that work? The number refers to the percentage of the overall recipe that is cocoa beans. Got it. So it can be cocoa butter, mm -hmm. it can be cocoa solids, but yeah. it's, it's cocoa beans. Yeah. And so if you have like a 50% chocolate, it's 50% cocoa and then 50% other stuff. Right. So in the case of the 85% Cuba, yeah. this is 85% cocoa beans yeah. and 15% unrefined cane sugar. Gotcha. And the 100% Tanzania, that yeah, is 100% cocoa beans. Then for us, we never really go beyond three ingredients. So we have cocoa beans, cocoa beans and sugar, yeah. cocoa beans, sugar, and milk. And the milk powder can be whole milk, it can be skim milk, it can be different also versions, but it's kind of like- coconut milk powder, for example. So this one is a vegan milk option. Oh, nice. But it, it kind of sits there at, at three ingredients. We're not adding um, emulsifiers mm. or vanilla or any of the kind of other things that you would you can expect have to find. <laughs> we are now talking to our podcast producer. <laughs> The vegan polyols. <laughs> and we we get that question a lot, like, what do you have here that's vegan? And the answer is like nearly everything. Like a mm. lot of the products that say dark chocolate, if it says dark chocolate, it's not milk chocolate. Yeah. So yep. it's yep. dark because it's not milk. Yep. All of our dates are always vegan. We only use dates grown in the UAE and they're always coated in, in vegan chocolate, which is just two ingredients, dark yeah, chocolate. Yeah, yeah. And most of the, the spice recipes are dark chocolate. So, so for it's kind of like vegan by accident. We don't put it but, on the bars. Yeah, it just yeah, yeah. Because you're not adding extra unnecessary yeah, ingredients. Yeah, it's not a health product. This is just chocolate. Yeah. So. so for something like this, right, it says cocoa beans, unrefined cane sugar, and cocoa butter. Is cocoa butter added separately? Is that? Yes, or is that it's just added separately yeah. depending on the fat content of the bean that okay. it's coming from the bean. Yeah, okay. It's, uh, it's like science, but fun. But tasty. <laughs> and tasty. <laughs> You know, we had a bit of a schedule change and I couldn't make that visit with you. And it's already starting to sound like I really missed out on something and I'm getting really jealous. <laughs> well, sorry about that, Tiff. Um, but I'm not going to lie. It was all really, really fun. The chocolate tasting was also so interesting. For example, we tasted a 72% dark chocolate from Madagascar and another 72% but from Tanzania. Uh, and they are produced in the same way or rather the same recipe. 
uh, and from regions that are geographically so close to each other and yet the chocolate tasted so different. Absolutely. You know, the environment where things are grown and the source really matters as we've learned from so many of our guests, whether it's tomatoes, cheese or chocolate. We like to say, you see it, see it a lot, um, that we're not chocolatiers or chocolatiers. We're chocolate makers yeah. and we specialize in, in producing the chocolate, working with the cocoa beans, finding great cocoa beans and then producing different chocolates with those cocoa beans. And that's where we specialize. And then we have fun. So we get to have a lot of fun. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and so from the moment you start, you know, the process there with that machine to actually getting them wrapped and ready to go, how long would it take on average? I always say about six weeks. Okay. We can do it quicker, but to get the best flavor out of the chocolate, we want to have a really good resting period yep. between making it and using it. And yep. that's usually about four weeks, five weeks. But depending on the recipe, like if you're doing a caramel truffle or a praline or something like that, it might not need so much resting because okay. it's going to get mixed in with other things anyway. So it depends a little bit on the recipe, but yeah. But in between, from there to here, we produce 270 different recipes covering like every possible application of chocolate. So yeah. there is the drinking chocolates, yeah. truffles, chocolate bars. We do some white label projects as well, and then produce other fun things like chocolate chips for cookies and baker's chocolate for pastry chefs. Mm. And we have fun. That sounds good. <laughs> Do you sell like things like the chocolate chips for cookies, for example, or the baker's chocolate in here? Or is it like we do. for... We don't have any available at the moment though, but okay. we do generally. Yeah. Sometimes, usually, yes. So at the moment we have our new Christmas stuff has just come out and that's a completely new product line. So I'm always excited, but I wanted to do a kind of collection that was all about the secret spice garden. And this storyline sort of follows the imaginary tale of a spice trader, an Arab spice trader who moves to Spain once he's retired and builds a sort of high walled secret garden in the Alhambra. Yeah. And in the Alhambra in Spain, it has this, a very strong and interesting Muslim and Arab yeah. history. Yeah. And so the, the tiles and the creativity is there, but together with these very different ingredients to what we find in, in Arab food generally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, oranges and yeah. the, there is some, so the whole story is this guy then retires and with all of the seeds and plants he's collected on his travels, he builds a garden. Yeah. And the Secret Spice Garden is a collection that we launched a few years ago and it was mostly chocolate coated nuts and chocolate coated oranges and citrus. But for Christmas this year in the winter season, we sort of expanded that to create these things called tiles. Yep. And the tiles are inspired by the different color tiles that you find, but obviously everything here contains no coloring and no flavoring. So you manage somehow without adding any of that to still get lots of sparkle and color mm. and the fruit brings a lot of stuff in and pistachios bring in a lot of green and yeah. you get, it's just fun. Fun to experiment for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So we have as well a special edition drinking chocolate for Christmas this year, which is a cinnamon and orange. Yeah. And then our friends down the road who are a, a bakery and tea house and coffee shop called Peko, mm -hmm. they make really, really amazing gingerbread men. So we get their gingerbread men and coated in dark chocolate. Brilliant. And they, that's really fun. They're really tasty. It's like that much chocolate on the outside. <laughs> So our Emirati collection is our best-selling of all of the recipe sets that we have here. And that's based on recipes that are really 
inspired by the very traditional recipes of the UAE, but you don't really find too much outside of the UAE. Yeah. They were, yeah. some of them came from Oman, but they, they really like yeah. have part of, a strong part of cultural identity of the UAE. So halwa, legamat, ragag, khabisa, asida, and then we've sort of adjusted the mixes of recipes in these like gift boxes yeah. so that we can add an element that kind of connects to the, to the place as well. So on our original wrappers, it's artwork. And then what yeah. we've done is created these wrappers and packaging yeah. that sort of highlights more that it's made in the UAE. Yeah. It has pictures of different parts of the UAE. I also noticed, I mean, you had that little Emirati cookbook there. So we started doing the Emirati cookbook in 2021. This is mm. the third edition. And it was created for the 50th anniversary of the UAE. And what I wanted to do was sort of summarize the really traditional recipes, yeah. but provide an alternative option by a modern day chef. Yeah. So we asked a group of Emirati chefs to get a recipe from their grandmothers yeah. and grandfathers that was made like a 1971 version. Okay. And then to recreate it in their own for way. 2021 in their own way. So Love we it. have a legamat with a traditional recipe and then a shoe pastry version called the shugamat. Um, for this year's edition, it's a recipe from an Abu Dhabi-based chef, Mohammed al-Mubarak, and he's done the biha, which is a very traditional roasted meat that's served with broth and laban over spiced rice. Yeah. And then he's done a taco version. Right. So, so you have both options. And then the biha tacos. You know, it's just a nice way, I guess, of acknowledging where we are and yeah. the flavors that come with it. And I, I thought we'd just do like one batch of these, but they've been so popular. I think it's like a nice thing that people want to take away with yeah. them. So when did you first launch the Emirati collection? 2018. Okay. And you've added on to the recipes that you've... Well, we started with our single origin recipes. Yeah. And they reflect the places that the cocoa beans are grown. And yes. they're all places where there's a traditional trading relationship with the UAE. Yeah. India, Indonesia, Vietnam, places that the spice traders from here traveled to historically. Yeah. So we started with those recipes. Then we added the first range of spice recipes. And those recipes, again, it's like dark single origin chocolate, but with rose, with dates, um, with coffee and cardamom. And then we were like, oh, we need a milk chocolate. So then the Winter in Morocco collection arrives and that has these recipes about that's a little bit more North African trade that happened over land for the markets on Marrakesh. Yeah. And we thought that would be a really short term collection, but it became very popular. And so it, we kept it. Here we are. <laughs> here we are. It's still here. <laughs> it's still here. And then it was the monsoon collection, which is all about Indian spices and ingredients yeah. that are grown during the monsoon season. And then the Emirati collection. And then we were like, we've got too many chocolate bars. <laughs> are it's there ever to too down. many? Are there? Are there though? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> One can be too creative. <laughs> with the different ideas you've had, whether it's for this, whether it's for the monsoon collection or the spice collection, where does that inspiration come from, from you? Like, Well, no, not just from me, the owners of Mirzam Emirati, and I think like the three of us, we all grew up here. Yeah. This is our culture and we're yeah. really proud yeah. of these elements of the UAE that I think when, as we were growing up, everybody looked to the outside. We looked, you know, you were excited when McDonald's came to the UAE, you were excited when these international brands kind of arrived here. And there, there wasn't much excitement or pride about what could be manufactured locally. 
And that was one of the first goals of Mizam was for us to make something that was benchmarked against the international caliber of, of premium chocolate makers and really showed what can be done yeah. here. And that, that, was, that was always like where we started from. We didn't want to use cheap ingredients or try mm. to compete with the bulk chocolate, milky sort of recipes that were available already. We wanted something that really made us proud to be able to say that this was made in the UAE. And I think that kind of becomes the inspiration for everything else. Yeah. Like there are so many stories here. There's just so much history and there's really funny like little stories that we can pull from and family recipes and, and stuff that was iconic to us growing up, yeah. like Acida, which you didn't really find out anywhere in like even the little local restaurants and pop-ups. It was just like no one thought it was cool. So we wanted Acida to really become I don't know, it's such a fun recipe. So we've had a lot of fun trying to highlight that and make it better known. Oh, you did it as a clad caca. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I love making that cake. Like, it's so easy. Oh, great. I love that. Uh, that's one of my things. So that recipe, oh. so there is a traditional acida in here. And then the acida version that Hamda did. So Hamda has a cafe called Milk Bar that's yep. down the other end of Awasal Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah and just has beautiful coffee and the space is so stunning. And she did both of these recipes. Oh, this is cool. Cause I normally do make the, the traditional so cool. one at home. It's, and it's easy to make, um, but this is amazing. I love that. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. I have to tell Hamza, that's so cool. <laughs> that's, no, this is all very cool. And I think like what's always struck me by the way about every time I've seen, um, you know, a bar or drinking chocolate or whatever is the artwork. Mm -hmm. And I knew I needed to ask you about that because it it's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'm just curious about why has all of this been so important for you guys as well? Because it, it, it is quite striking. Yeah. But also there's so much kind of pointers to where it comes uh, from and what it means. And there, there's just like way too many layers of storytelling <laughs> uh, going on. But I think one of our one of the things we wanted to communicate with the packaging was that the product is handmade. So we wanted the artwork to be painted or illustrated or, you know, created by hand, not a graphic design project. And we didn't really, you know, there's something that's really, uh, hygienic is probably, or sanitized is probably the, the right yeah. way to say it, but about brands where every product looks the same. And there is a lot of science to that and a lot of marketing theory that goes into making things look very consistent yeah. and highlighting the logo, but it was never something that we wanted to do. Mm. Like if you've come here to the factory, you know you're at Mirzam. There is no need to put it on everything everywhere. Right, yeah. <laughs> and if the logo gets lost somewhere in, in the packaging and the, you know, the, it's mm. too busy, I don't really care. Yeah. You know, it's that isn't part of this brand. It's not something we're striving for. We're, we have a bigger message about quality and the quality of the product. Yeah. And if somebody likes the product, they will come back and buy it again. And I don't want that to be because of the packaging. Yeah. So there was there was a lot of reasons why it sort of started with this very handmade feel. And we also we really wanted to I don't know, sit with the beauty of the Orient and these romantic historical stories of the adventures that the sailors had. There is this wonderful part of history and it's not really connected to borders. It was before a lot of that. It was before you had passports and countries and things like that. So 
the, that we didn't want to really connect too much to this modern story, yeah. but you know, there is so much of that history that is very intangible and we really wanted to, to play with that. And I think the artwork has given us a good outlet to So all of these are hand-drawn uh, from So there is across, the, across all of the packaging, we've worked now with, I think, 28 different artists. Oh, amazing. Some are UAE nationals, some are from outside of the UAE, some of them have no connection, um, but they have a connection to the ingredients or the, the place where... But this collection, the Emirati collection, is an amazing young man named Saeed Al-Madani and he studied printmaking in London and he was doing this I think right after he graduated right so there was a lot of technique to how he created the prints that's beautiful very very striking there's just like so many stories this rapper is an Emirati artist named Mariam Thani and it was a project we did for Valentine's Day in 2017 with the World Wildlife Fund. So the whole idea was like giving back to the world and, and giving love to the world rather than, you know, bad boyfriends. And then <laughs> there's a, there is an Emirati artist in there who's done our two milk chocolate single origin cocos. Okay. Then an Egyptian um, Dutch artist who's done in the two Tanzanias. And then a German artist who did the Cuba wrapper. <laughs> all but over we the wanted world. all of them to have a map and a DAO element. So the map sort of connects yeah. to the origin and yeah. the DAO tells that story of the, the traders. Yep. yep. But they're all otherwise very different. And you look at them and they feel different. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, uh, packaging, I think, is quite... I, I think it's a geeky thing to be interested in packaging. It's very interesting learning more about it and learning about the dynamics of what happens in like a supermarket environment, how yeah. marketing agencies approach packaging yeah. to compete in a, in a highly competitive yeah, yeah, yeah. place. It's such a different thought process to being in an environment where you're not trying to compete mm. with anybody else because it's a factory and this is the factory outlet. Yeah, but it still works. You know, I mean, people yeah. would see something like this and think, oh, that's pretty. I mean, I do that with books sometimes. I'm like, that's a pretty cover. <laughs> you just hope the book will be good. Uh, in this I, case, the chocolate is good, I'm so that's lie. great. That. <laughs> I have some books and I've been like, this is terrible. Uh, why did I, I now I remember why I bought that. <laughs> I fell for the cover. <laughs> but we're always being so small, it's really easy for us to do experiments. Yeah. So we can try a cover and a recipe and have fun with the packaging. And if it doesn't work, oh well. Has that happened though? Yeah, all oh, the yeah. time, all the time, all the time, constantly. Like we, we make a recipe, we try to see, does it sell to customers like it? What's the feedback like? Do, do you know, do our international customers like it? Mm -hmm. And then what's the feedback from the retailers? And then if it doesn't work, well, Oh, well, like it's not such a massive factory that when you invest in a new product, you need to have years of R&D and focus groups and the tons and tons of wastage when it doesn't work out. Like we can test and, and fail fast when we need to and we want to. I get to have so much fun doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite one among all I your babies? I play favorites with my children. <laughs> When we come back, Kathy tells me how her childhood gave her all the different skills she uses at the chocolate factory. And of course, it's time for some chocolate tasting. That's right after this short break. Davina, let's take a minute to talk about one of my favorite things, cheese. Do you have a favorite kind of cheese though? Or is that too hard a question? 
Absolutely. I'm not even going down that road. Um, but I know the cheese I want to talk about right now, and that's Parmigiano Reggiano. I was in Italy earlier this year and found myself surrounded by wheels of them stacked into towers, almost like a skyline. This is at our supplier Zanetti, which is now in its fourth generation, having started in 1900 by Guido Zanetti. His great-grandson Paolo Zanetti gave me a fantastic tour. Most importantly, did you get to try both the Parmigiano-Reggiano and the Grana Padano? Yes, absolutely. I tried various wheels of cheese of different ages and Paolo really went into detail about like which cheese goes with which dish that you're trying to serve. For a big occasion, like uh, together with a very good Italian uh, red wine or uh, you know, champagne, it's good to have a very well mature Parmigiano-Reggiano, like a three years old Parmigiano-Reggiano. If you want uh, a product to be created on pasta, uh, like 16 months old uh, uh, Grana Padano is very good and uh, as a table cheese or as an appetizer cheese or as a piece of cheese I used to have a Parmigiano Reggiano, well mature Parmigiano Reggiano, like three years old Parmigiano Reggiano. So the next time you're serving something special for your friends or family or just indulging in a slice of pizza or leftover pasta for breakfast, grate some of our Spinney's food Parmigiano Reggiano or Grana Padano today. Welcome back. You're listening to Nourished by Spinneys and our chocolate-filled conversation with Kathy Johnston from Mirzam. So when people are kind of, like you say, shopping somewhere for chocolate and trying to buy it, if they aren't sure what it means to be, say, single origin or what it means if it doesn't say on the bar at all, what, are they, what do they need to bear in mind or what do they have to think about? I will always advise people when you're trying to buy chocolate, if you want to buy good chocolate, mm. um, try to look for bars that tell you where the cocoa beans were grown. Mm. It's a really easy thing to do and in most chocolate you will really be able to tell, you know, on a, on a bar that highlights where the ingredients came from, yeah. they're proud of it. Any, any food product in general that's proud of the ingredients or proud of how it's made, that, and there will be usually a price that reflects the quality of yeah, those yeah. ingredients, they will tell you. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they're not going to keep it a secret if the ingredients are good. Yeah. Um, so if you find a chocolate bar and it's just like made with cocoa, maybe don't buy that one. Okay. <laughs> so right. oh, this is you. a 72% dark chocolate um, made with cocoa beans grown in Tanzania. The guys who, who grow these cocoa beans, it's actually um, more of a business structure. So they support a lot of small farms around them. And they centrally ferment the cocoa beans to make sure there is really good consistency. They offer the farmers really good uh, payment terms. And they have a lot of organic certified farms as well that they're working with. So they, they process all of these beans and then help everybody by having really professional logistics and distribution services. So Coco Camellia, one of the best known uh, premium quality cocoa producers in the world. Okay. I got like a hint of like, I don't know, cherries or something like richer yeah. coating my tongue. It was just comforting. What do you taste when you eat that? The Tanzania for me, I get a like a nice sparkle of, of red berries, but like lighter red berries. Mm. Definitely cherries, but not the not German cherries, maybe Iranian cherries. It's a really chocolatey mm. bar as well. There's a lot of chocolate in there. So it's interesting, it's always interesting to try a chocolate that comes from a nearby place. Okay. You know, it's this is not a completely different yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, Madagascar is as the, you know, bird flies probably half an hour away from Tanzania, maybe it's more than half an hour, but close. Do you get to go visit all the places that you source no, from? No, not all of the places. It's a lot of these farms are very, very hard to get to. Okay, so yeah. it's, they're not in, in urban environments, obviously, but you can fly into a city and then it's often a second small flight or a 12 hour drive or something like that. So one makes it, it's quite hard to get to, but then we work with people who do spend a lot of time on these farms and going to these places. So that g gives us this sort of like trust that we know that people are doing the right things. This is completely different. Completely different. <laughs> It's completely different. Completely different. It's different in a couple of ways as well. So both of these recipes are 72%. We say that we add cocoa butter, but often we don't because there is plenty in there. But you'll notice a very big texture difference between the yeah. two as well. One is softer, one is harder. This has, it's so much brighter in the flavor. Yeah, this one is, I don't know if it is, but it almost feels sweeter, but I know it's It's exactly not, the same recipe. Yeah, it's, I know it's not, but it feels that way. Mm -hmm. um, like that one makes me think of, okay, when I ate the first one, I almost thought about being in like a dark, darker room, maybe with like a lot of wood accents yeah. and just like, you know, a fireplace, for example. Mm. That one, I was just like, I'm in a meadow somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> chilling with nature. Um, a completely different um, feeling um when i tasted them both and, and you they're... can also like kind of see side by side yeah there's a color difference as well like the the beans from tanzania this is a sort of almost looks like a milkier chocolate i see what yeah yep, yep, yeah that looks darker almost yeah so it's fascinating it really is fascinating and i think this you know single origin and speciality coffee has such a big community here yeah and i think we've found that the coffee community has been a great a really, really great place for us to be involved in. We make a lot of specialty drinking chocolates just because that some of that language and understanding is there that's yeah. the same about what you would expect from a specialty product um, and how the pricing varies. Like each one of the single origin bars is a different price, which is reflective of the fact that the ingredients are, are so different. And where did the... Um uh, I guess the reasoning behind, you know, how you've designed the actual bars and themselves come yeah. about. So the bars have, uh, are all molded in this mold that has waves. And the waves is part of the story about the Dows sailing the worlds, following the stars for navigation. Mirzama is the name of one of the stars. So this whole theme of seafaring yeah. and marine trade, the maritime spice route rather than the overland silk road or um, overland trade is, is all of the reason mm. why you'll find waves in a lot of secret places at Mirzam. So this is a 65%. This is made with cocoa beans grown in India. We've won several awards for this bar and the cocoa farmers have also won awards for their cocoa beans in very, very uh, prestigious awards of cocoa of excellence. And there's a lot of um, amazing high profile chocolate makers that also use these cocoa beans from India. They're exceptional. It's been mm. one of my favorite origins of what we make here. It has a real punch of honey as well, which I think... I was like, going to say there, I feel like, yeah, honey, um, probably not there, but I, I was thinking about cinnamon for some reason, but the honey was... They do grow first. different spices on this farm. And I had always tasted a bit of nutmeg. Mm. The farmers there have experimented a lot with the fermentation protocols over the years. So the fermentation has a really big impact here and it can taste more chocolatey to some yeah. people. It's, I, I think it's excellent. 
So this is 65% dark chocolate made with cocoa beans grown in Vietnam. We have always found that this is our most complex of the single origins. There's a lot of different berries and sparkliness going on. It's a really flavorful chocolate. There's like an aftertaste that is so different from when you're actually biting into the chocolate. Like the others felt more consistent in terms of I had like I tasted honey, I still tasted honey when I was done. But this one, it's like fruity pebbles. Mm. It's really like bright and fun. What we encourage people to do when you're tasting chocolate and tasting is, is to remember that your tongue has different flavor zones on it. Yeah. So to melt the chocolate and however you want to do it in your mouth, crunch it, whatever, and then move it around the whole tongue. Yeah. Like try to coat your whole tongue in okay. chocolate. So you get a sense. The reason we start with the dark recipes is because the sugar area of your tongue can become blinded by having right. too much sweetness. Okay, okay. And then you can't taste a lot of the flavor because there's so much sugar going on. Right. Then we have our spiced recipes. So the spiced recipes can be anything that isn't plain chocolate, basically. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. <laughs> and I've picked two spiced recipes for you to try, but we have obviously a lot more. So if there's something else that you want to try. This one is our dates and fennel bar. So within that, it would be the process that you use to make these plus the spices that you add for it. So we okay. make the chocolate and then yeah. we would mix in something else. This bar is a little bit different though. And I, I'm going to let you break a piece off so you get an idea of, of the recipe. So oh, yeah. this has a really delicate layer inside mm -hmm. of locally grown dates together the, with fennel. It just, the fennel hit me immediately with the smell. And this is actually an old family recipe. And again, like naturally vegan because you don't need to add. And it tastes so sweet. Like the dates without adding any other sugar mm. to it taste in themselves like so delicious and sweet it's very mm. how do you decide like what percentage of chocolate you're gonna use for your different recipes is that just experimentation yeah, or it's just yeah. kind of what we feel like so we make a lot of different chocolates 100 percent yeah 85 72 65 62 52 50 48 45 36 so we make a lot of different base chocolates. And then with the 36 is a white chocolate. We have a caramelized version and a plain white chocolate version. With the 48% is a milk chocolate. 50% is the vegan milk chocolate. 52% is a dark milk chocolate. We make all sorts of, all <laughs> sorts of recipes. These are our um, dark chocolate coated oranges. Okay. We started making these as part of the Secret Spice Garden collection, and we've recently started um, retailing them in the US as well. And they're a super popular recipe mm. that we make. And because what we do is cook the whole orange. So the orange keeps all of the juice and all of mm. the flavor that you get. You're not just taking the peel and dehydrating it, and then yeah. you need to add chemical flavoring to bring the sort of orange back to life. This is the whole fruit and yeah. then like a juice and liquids and flavor from the fruit stays together with the pulp mm -hmm. and, and make, gives it like a super great orange flavor. I can tell how um, juicy it still is. Oh my God, this is really tasty. <laughs> you're going to a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> I love that you're surprised when something in your own. You get kind of like <laughs> numb to chocolate. No, I eat so much. I love chocolate. I'm never sick of chocolate. I can always eat chocolate. <laughs> but I often don't because I'm at work and 
I eat chocolate all day as mm. part of my job, so I don't need to go and eat chocolate. If I'm craving chocolate, I'm never craving chocolate because I'm always eating chocolate. I mean, that's but such every a great... now and then I like eat something, and I'm like, oh my god, I love chocolate. <laughs> such a great job description. It's my job to eat chocolate. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get the job eating chocolate? Like, what did did yeah? Did you ever think <laughs> when you were growing up in Dubai? <laughs> I dreamed. I didn't. I didn't think. I definitely dreamed. I have always been obsessed with chocolate. My okay. mom used to say that she'd hide it and she thought I could smell it out. Like, <laughs> I've just always loved chocolate. Yeah. I've always loved chemistry. I've always loved engineering. It was all these things I didn't think that I would be able to do for work though. Like okay. you don't, it's like, you know, wanting to be a ballerina or something. You don't think that you can do it. It's yeah. not something you would do. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, but life is interesting and I was very, very lucky to meet the owners of Mozam before Mozam had come to live. It hadn't opened yet, it wasn't operational. And we were both really excited by chocolate and I was trying to start my own chocolate factory somewhere else and then we just ended up working together and learning about the process and learning together and they're fantastically, you know, just incredible palettes. Yeah. Super interested in good quality and we were all on the same page in, in trying to produce things that reflect the values of the UAE and yeah. things that are really, really good quality. I asked one of them recently, actually, like, what's your favorite thing about Mirzam? And he said, it's being able to know what we're putting in the food we yeah. eat, yeah. which I think is, is really like special to me that we're all aligned on that message of health and quality. Yeah. What's your favorite part about working in a chocolate factory? Apart from eating all the chocolate. Oh, I mean, for me, it's probably something that it's really, really personal that somehow in I can in this role combine all of the things I like doing. I like project management. I like leading people. I like creativity and fine arts and design. And I like science and food science and ingredient science and understanding machines and machine engineering. And I, you know, grew up with a lot of engineers in my family. And so I didn't think, you know, I always roll my eyes when my dad would talk to me about how engines work and machines work. And now I get to apply a lot of that. You know, my mom was a photographer and I had to assist her at all the weddings and and I, you know, when I first finished high school, I had to work in a magazine and I did some work and you had to do your own design and layout. So I had to learn how to use InDesign and Photoshop. And I, in my school, I had to do cooking classes yeah. um, because I, I wasn't allowed to do the religious studies. So all of these things kind of like come together every day for me. And I or like, I wake up and I'm excited. It's not even excited. I'm just like living. And it's, it's so everything I get to do here is fun. Yeah. It, it's fun for me. I like it when the machines break. I like finding solutions, yeah. you know, I like working towards creating new recipes and thinking about how the ingredients will sit together chemically and what the shelf life could be. So it like all of these things come together for me and making, making this, what does Bobby say? the best day every day <laughs> i didn't think we would be referencing barbie today but here we are dude we should always be referencing barbie. <laughs> um i have a very random question to ask but it uh, i have people who have very differing views on this do you put your chocolate in the fridge no one should ever put their chocolate in the fridge <laughs> look i i think in the one there is a circumstance where i would put food, uh, chocolate in the fridge. And that's when I have bought uh, truffles or like temperature sensitive, okay. short shelf life 
chocolate products. Yeah. The humidity of Dubai would adversely affect their shelf life. Yeah. And because I want to eat them very slowly over as long a period <laughs> as possible and really like enjoy them. It should never, it doesn't need to expire either. Like dark chocolate doesn't have any ingredients that will degrade over time. Okay, yeah. Sugar doesn't have a shelf life and cocoa beans don't have a shelf life. They're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as they're not being exposed to too much humidity or pests or temperature changes, mm, mm, mm. they're fine for years and years and years and years. Good to know. Mm. Milk, if it has milk, then 18 months. Like these bars, for example. These bars, fridges are very high humidity environments and the humidity, the, the moisture in the air attaches to the sugar crystals and it blooms the chocolate. So the sugar comes out or humidity starts to play with the temper of the chocolate. And it's not dangerous and it's still fine to eat, but it does affect the texture of the chocolate and it becomes more and more crumbly over time mm. and it doesn't melt nicely yep, yep. in the mouth. It, it really like forms these sort of like fatty round globules. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't. I, 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 I didn't say I did. <laughs> I'm just saying I've met people with differing views. Uh-huh, so. my friend. <laughs> I'm asking for my a friend. friend. <laughs> I, ooh, I have a question. I have a question. <laughs> no, um, we have a question that we ask all our guests on the show, which I regularly forget to ask. What is it that nourishes your soul? You really should have emailed me that one first. So I can think about something <laughs> profound, something profound and meaningful. I, th I think food, making food and food makers, like the, the community of people who make food are just amazing, interesting people. Mm. And I like to do um, comparative food evaluations with my food friends. So we would like get a lot of croissants or a lot of panettone or a lot of jinduya and then try them side by side and try to understand why do they taste different and how were they made. And I think that that always I find very inspiring and exciting. But the food, like food people, are just the best. They're just the best. We like them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Were you surprised or worried at all about, I guess, the reception of um, the chocolates and like the local market? Yeah, very much. Like we had anticipated that we would be the customers for our chocolate here, and that most well, of the chocolate yourself. would be sold okay. in the U.S. <laughs> oh, you okay. Know, in the, the U.S., there is a very a strong existing uh, craft chocolate community. Yeah. There's a, a lot of appreciation for understanding of the origins from the customer side, as well as a lot of small manufacturers. So the access to ingredients is easier. So we assumed we'd be making the chocolate here and kind of telling the stories of the Orient, okay. but that people here might not be so interested because there was such a preference for milk chocolate mm. and not in a tablet mm. format. And what we found was people did want dark chocolate they just wasn't really available. Yeah. So there is there is dark chocolate available, but it was always really like bland and overly overly flat and waxy and, and people wanted something that was better. So we immediately like sold out and we continued to yeah. to sell out for a few years until we figured out how to to make enough chocolate that yeah. we could yeah. So do you sell um a lot overseas now as well or yeah, yeah. So is that mostly the US? Or? Mostly in the US, also also in Switzerland and from time to time um, other parts of Europe, but not, not as consistently. But in the US, most of our export you, goes there. Ah, okay, so do you uh, retail through distributors or...? Yeah, uh, okay. we have an exclusive distributor in the US and they, they specialize in craft chocolate and understanding their, how this stuff is made. They're very dedicated to supporting farmers as well. Oh, that's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Have there been days where you just frustrated or felt 
that this was too much of a challenge. There has definitely been some of those days. It's nearly eight years for me working on Mirzam, you know, preparing it for launch. Building the first factory and the second factory were both a massive learning curve in construction that I didn't know I would ever <laughs> need to, but now I'm still don't want to <laughs> build new factories, but Fair enough. I'm, I'm better at it now. But yeah, some of the construction days were very, very stressful. Yeah, I can imagine. But I mean, the space looks amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, I'm glad we came here today to, to <laughs> it's so nice. I'm going to be back, sit there in the Bring corner. Bring Tiffany. Yeah. And just like that, we've come to the end of 2023. It's quite nice to end with chocolates, I must say. Yes, and I believe we're also going to have some chocolate news from Spinney's early in the new year. Indeed. So we're working on an exciting collab for our Spinney's Food Chocolate range with Merzam. Amazing. Um, there are four delicious bars launching, so I will keep you posted. Well, that's definitely something to look forward to. Uh, but for now, here's wishing everyone a happy and safe holiday season. And a happy new year. We'll be back with a new episode on the 9th of January, where Davina sits down with Chef Rahul from Avatara. See you then. Is it breaking the third wall if we talk to you? Or whatever it's called. <laughs> There's a wall? You know, like Deadpool. <laughs> I hated that movie. <laughs> that is such a sad movie. It's a horrible. <laughs>